What up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. It means a lot. I really appreciate it. This is episode two of season five. And today we have Danny of Versus Atlanta on the show. Okay, Danny is a super OG. He got into vintage in the early days, thrifting with his brother, and then later got into snapbacks. And he had this dig going for like five years where he was getting all kinds of crazy snapbacks and sports gear. He talks about that. Then he built out um, versus ATL. Recently, they opened a brand new renovated space in Atlanta. You got to go check that out. We talk about that. We talk about working with his partners. We also talk about um, his debut on the Netflix show Swap Shop. Him and his partners got chosen to be on this reality show about picking. Uh, it's really dope. It's on Netflix right now. It's pretty new. And you can go check that out too. We get into that on the show and lots of other stuff, including working at his family's Mexican restaurant. Super cool. Uh, great guy. Really good conversation we had. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in. If you like the podcast, if you find value in it, if you like the guests I bring on, please share it. Tell your friends, post it on Facebook, post it on your Instagram. It means a lot to me. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Okay, Danny, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate it. You have been in the game for a long time. As far as I know, like came up through the snapback world, you know, many moons ago. Um, and you're the partner in VSATL. Also grew up in a Mexican food restaurant that you still work in to this day, which I think is fucking rad. Um, so thanks for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate you for having me, man. I've been wanting to do one of these and whatnot with you because I, well, I listen to them, you know? So oh, I, haven't listened to, I haven't listened to the newest one yet, but I definitely will. Dope, dude. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, okay, so we've talked over the past. like we've. Ne- I don't even think we've ever actually – have we met in person? It's so weird yeah. now with the internet. Uh, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, okay. Yeah, and so I've known you since like way back in the snapback days. Um, you were like one of the OGs going out and finding digs and selling online, right? Um, do you want to like get us into that? Like how did also for, before we even get into that, I got to mention, you were also on a Netflix show here that I just binge watched, which is super dope. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. We are going to get into that on the show, but we're going to wait till later in the episode because we got lots to talk about before we even talk about that. Solid. So started out with like, how did you get into vintage? You know, I got some info from your brother. You're like a sibling of four. Um, and your bro said he kind of got you into thrifting. Yeah. Is this true? Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, I, my brother's six years older than me. 
So pretty much my whole life, I just grew up just hanging out with him and his friends, you know, so anything he did, you know, little brother wants to do the same thing. So, totally. you know, he got me into skateboarding when I was like eight years old, you know, and like just I did everything else he did. So he once he got a car and whatnot, he started um, he started thrifting a lot and went and just but he was looking for different things. He was more into like polo, lacoste uh Le Tigre, just like guess more preppy stuff i want to say you know he was yeah. more into collared shirts and the cardigans and whatnot but i knew how to find that stuff with him you know and then i would just be looking for like skate tees you know i wanted like toy machine shirts you know america s shirts stuff like that so that's how it all started like just thrifting and whatnot you know the like, man you can you can get fresh and not spend a lot of money you know but Brad, things- i will say he did say he got you into skating too, but he said that you got way better than him. <laughs> yeah, well, I started, started at a young age and just like, you know, growing up and skating with older people, you want to be like, you're the small cat, but you still want to be like the big dog in skateboarding. So, you know, anything to impress him, I was like, man, I was, I was trying everything. I was skating every day in my garage. Like, I was very consistent with it as a kid, you know? Yeah, that's, many- I, you know. I wanted to say I got a lot of similarities with you in that regard. Like my brother, Jesse, he was he's two years older, but same scenario. Like I hung out with him and his homies a ton. He got mm-hmm. me into skating. He got me into the vintage game. I mean, our dad did really, but like, and yeah, like you feel as a younger sibling, like you got to keep up with these guys. Like you got to like, you want to like impress them. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I feel, I feel the similarities there for sure. Yeah, and it was it was it was very cool, you know. Like he he started he started working at a local skate shop, and then he you know I was pretty good at that time. Like I was like in eighth grade, and then he, uh, the skate shop owner was like, "Hey man, you want a job here on weekends?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I was like, "Cool man!" I started working there like eighth grade summer at the skate shop, putting boards together and whatnot, and it was fun, man. I worked there for years at a skate shop, you know. And that's a, that's a little kid's dreams. Totally, dude. Yeah, I never did that. That's sick. So, when did you get into the snapback game? And like, do you re- do you remember like that time well? And like, how it all kind of like happened and the big boom there? And because I know back in those days, you found a few digs, right? Yeah, absolutely. I found yeah, I found a good amount. You know, um, so I got into. I want to say just like seeing like the rappers and whatnot where i think i want to say tyga and like chris brown were like the first ones to wear it i didn't necessarily love or like their music but i liked the way they dressed and whatnot with the teaser and all that stuff so it was around that era i don't know when exactly that was like what 2009 10 i want to say yeah but I, I i looked up the hats and whatnot i just looked up snapbacks you know just like i looked into them i, I looked into some brands i was and uh, I had found some at the flea market when I was out with my parents and whatnot. And I found a Lakers sports specialty script in the 76 sports specialty. Nice. And I, I was like, dude, these have to be old. So I looked them up. And of course, you know, they're vintage. So I was like, okay. So then I started getting into eBay and all that. And when I went thrifting, I started looking for hats again. So that's right. When I first started, man, just the hat game was first, you know, because I, I always like hats. Like even as a kid, like I, I used to collect fitteds. Yeah, when I was like third, fourth grade and I was collecting fitteds. I had like 30, 40 of them, like 
every time I got a chance to buy one, I'd buy one. So I've always liked hats. It's so weird, the hat game. Like, obviously, snapbacks are from the 90s. Well, snapbacks go back to, like, beginning of hats. But then, like, all through the 90s, all the licensing was snapbacks. Then early 2000s or, like, late 90s, early 2000s, it went, like, all to fitteds, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, then the resurgence of snapbacks came back because you still, at 2010, like, it was hard to find a snapback from, like, a new brand or from a licensing company. They were all into fitteds. So that's kind of why like people were like, well, fuck, I want the snapbacks are dope or the vintage better designs. And then every company started to like resurge snapbacks back into the market. But it's an interesting timeline of hats. Um, so tell us like, obviously you find in hats at the flea, like that's kind of where a lot of people came up on big digs because people would go to the flea and like dump storage units of shit, like truckloads of old store stock or whatever they had. Um, Tell us about like your brother said you, I don't know where it was like Tennessee. You're from Tennessee, right? I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. So, but he said you were driving to like Nashville or somewhere to, to go buy hats or from. I was, uh, I had found a place, uh, in Kentucky, but okay. So here's a whole story about it. So at that time, I think, um, uh, I think I'm a, I'm a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And I, I worked, um, I was working at PacSun, Pacific Sunway, you know, that stuff. Uh, yeah. I was working, and at that time, I had already got into the snapbacks and whatnot. You know, I started researching them. Of course, I, I ran into your all's page, if it's in Frank or whatever, and you guys had a lot of them. And I was like, holy shit, these are worth money. eBaying and whatnot. And this girl came in, and she had a crispy-ass Florida State starter hat. And it was a white one. I was like, no way. That thing looks brand new, you know? And I asked her, I was like, hey, would you sell that hat off your off your head? And she was like, uh, yeah, well, what do you think? And I was like, I'll give you 20 bucks for it. And she's like, okay, cool. I'll go, I'll go back and I'll go get another one. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you'll go get another one? She's like, yeah. The store I, I go to has a bunch of them. And I was like, starters? And like, yeah, oh yeah. And I was like, Where, what, what's it called? She gave me the name. I looked them up. It were uh, I'm pretty close to the border. I'm in I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. So Kentucky border is like an hour away, you know. So I, I called this place and I was like, "Hey, do you guys have uh, hats?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Do you have any uh, starter hats?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we got some starter hats." I was like, "Okay, cool. Can you put them to the side? I'm gonna come up there and want to buy them." And and he was like, "All right, cool." I get there. Oh, so let's see here. I before I had my son. My son is ten years old now. So. The first time I went up there, I went up there with my wife and um, I get there and it's like a sports store. And of course, they have bats, cleats, all this stuff. I'm like, man, they're not going to have anything. I'd never found anything yet. You know, it was my first yeah. day ever. So I get there and then I'm like, oh, where, where are your hats at? I go over there and he put those hats to the side. And of course, they're all starter Raiders hats. Damn. You know? So that was your. You know, at that time, I knew that Raiders and Bulls were probably the most sought after. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I just came up. I tried not to act too exciting, you know, to let them know that I was super stoked because I'm screaming inside. You know, I knew I was about to make totally. some money. <laughs> so I was like, hey, so how, much, how much are the hats? And like the five bucks a piece. I was like, holy shit. So I, ra- I, I grabbed all the Raiders first and all the Bulls stuff. And then they had a bunch of the game and signature hats and one. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pick these up too. 
and I I left with a shitload of stuff. And and then I went in the back room and I found some clothes. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And like, I hadn't got into the sports stuff yet. I'm not I'm not much of a sports guy. I don't I've never kept up with sports too much, but basketball is probably the only thing but they definitely had like bowl stuff and I was like, oh this is like the stuff that they're wearing with the snapbacks and whatnot and I was like, i'll take some of this stuff i bought a bunch of stuff and then i started selling it to my friends and I, of course i put the raiders and all that all on ebay and i was cashing out i was like i did my research on them i priced them accordingly and people were just buying them and I was making some serious money. So I was like, holy shit, I'm gonna go back and buy just the other ones, you know, some for 30, 40, 50 bucks. So I I literally went up there for years, you know, like of course there were some other guys going there, you know, because it was a college campus up there, but I was trying to buy as much as I could at the time. But I built a really good relationship with them and they started letting me, you know, started pulling stuff out for me. They didn't let me in the back yet, but I was like, holy shit, you got more hats? I, then I started finding the denims. I found some denims there. Uh, and then that's how I discovered the Paisley starter hats, which made me go crazy. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you remember, those hats were like very – I mean, they're just so detailed, you know? Yeah, very, and then they have, the, they have the baseball jerseys to match. Yeah, and it was only made for MLB, you know, which I was like, man, I wonder if they make like Bulls and Raiders. And then I found out it was only baseball, which made the hats really unique. But I found some of those. But so I started posting all my come ups on the Internet, you know, uh, and I start like right when Instagram, I guess, was starting off. I started posting like all my pictures of come ups and people just kept reaching out. I was using hashtags, vintage snapback, all that. And then people were like, hey, can I buy some? You know, hey, how much is this one? I was like, cool. I started selling on there. And I mean, a bunch of people started reaching out to me. Including, I think you guys reached out to me like, "Hey, where is this? Where's the spot at?" And I was like, "Am I telling you? You know what I'm saying? You gotta ask. Come on." No, no, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Somebody who doesn't know, you know, is gonna do it. That's funny. So, was your was your IG handle the same back then? No, it was uh, my brother made me an Instagram. Okay, and it was Danny P sixty nine. And I kid you not. <laughs> I'm like a freshman in high school. I didn't. I didn't know what 69 was. I was like, "Oh, it's cool, you know, whatever." 69. Everybody's like, "Uh, oh, Danny, 69." I was like, "Why does everybody keep saying something about it?" And I, uh, I found 69 was like that. So it was pretty funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I was so- thinking about. I was thinking about you last night, like coming up with like what we're gonna talk about, and I I remembered that. I was like, "No, he was not always on this handle. He had a different handle before." Yo, that's fucking classic. So. Yo, that's like that feeling you're talking about when you're in there, like not, you don't want to like let them know you're super stoked, but you're like fucking just fucking pumped inside for that day. <laughs> that place sounds rad. Like there's been places like that for us over the years. So like you go in there for like two years solid, just, and they kept having more, eh? Probably more than that. So, okay. So I kept, you know, kept picking out the good stuff and whatnot that was available outside. So this goes back to, you know, shout out to my Boneyard boys, Chicago, you know, a.k.a. Island Souls and uh, Samuel Snapson. You know, if you know, if you know, you know. But those guys, you know, I had always looked up to them just because I had watched their eBay and their Instagram. And I I love their aesthetic and the way they did things. You know, it's very clean. You know, it was expensive, but 
the way they made it look looked expensive, you know? So like you want to get people your money, people who present things well, you want, I don't know. It's just, it's just how it goes. You just want to pay up for it. It's but marketing, really- man. That's how it works, man. It's like, you know, you curate a nice store, a nice look, a nice aesthetic online, and it demands more money. It's just facts. That's just how it goes, man. So I had always looked up to them, and I believe Jake uh, Samuel Snapson at the time, he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, uh, I'm really interested in this spot that you've been going to. You know, I was like, I'm willing to pay you X amount, and I'll let you pick some stuff out of my eBay. And I'm like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. Like, he... He was like, whatever I pay, blah, blah, you get first dibs. I'm like, all right, this seems pretty cool, you know. And I thought I'd already cleaned out the place, you know. But I hadn't went in the back. I didn't know what was back there and whatnot. So he's like, hey, I'm going to drive down from Chicago. We're going to check out this spot, get you first dibs. I'll bring you some stuff down. I just want to buy some stuff, too. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I ended up meeting with him and one of his buddies there at the Kentucky store. And they got there a little bit before I did. They started picking through picking things that I wouldn't necessarily pick up, but I was like, okay, this guy knows something I don't. But um, he was definitely, he was like, hey man, he he went right off the bat and was like, hey, let me go in the back room, blah, blah, blah and ask it. And they're like, nah, you can't, you know? I got there and he was like, oh, what's up, Dan? Give me, you know? give me one sec. Hey, Beth, can you open the door for DHL? Sorry, keep going, you're good. So uh, uh, when I got there, they're like, oh, what's up, Danny? You know, like, hey, what's up, man? This, these are my friends from Chicago. They were, they've seen some of the cool stuff that I bought from you, and they want to buy some of it. Is there any way we can go in the back room? You know, like, he's got money. I got money. You know you can trust me. You know, he's like, you know what? You're a good customer. Come on back. I know you're going to spend money with me. Cool. We go in the back. Just <laughs> piles piles of clothes and boxes that was just mind-blowing you know raiders starter satin jackets bunch of chalk line jackets uh starter boxes just a bunch of dead stock sports oh nike galore magic johnson magic johnson tees jordan tees amazing pieces that i've never seen till this day like ever again you know that's crazy shit man and a lot of it was like like hey just be careful you know it's like a bunch of spider webs you know it's all old stock you know blah blah they had they had had a leak or like a flood in the back and um they got rid of a bunch of shit and some shit was moldy and whatnot but we found amazing things and like i mean jake and them had bought they bought a lot of stuff you know they took a lot of stuff back but even when they left after that, I still kept going back to that spot. And every time I just kept finding more shit, you know? So they only came the one time and like, how, how no. big did they cash out that time? I can't even remember how much they cashed out, but I mean, they they left with a big, a big load in their van or whatever they had. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we talking on price? You said five bucks hats. What was like starter prices and things like that? Like starter jackets were like twenty bucks, fifteen bucks. Tees are like five bucks, two bucks, and then at at some point he was like, "Yeah, you can have that. You can have that." Just like random stuff. Had a bunch of uh, shoes as well, New Balances and stuff. Just cool runners. Um, some like NFL boots, like Raiders boots and shit like that. Just some cool shit. Um, and we had asked like, "Hey man, you got any Jordan? Like, I see you have a lot of Jordan stuff." 
uh, where are the Jordans at? And we found some boxes that were just empty Jordans. We're like, fuck it, we'll buy those too. You know, OG boxes, we were just buying them. Oh, you can have them, whatever. We're like, oh, somebody already came and bought all our Jordans out like years ago. And I was like, so probably that, Japanese it, or something like no, they, it, it they've been scouring, you know? No, they, it definitely was. They, that's what they said. Like, oh, some, you know, foreign people came over here and bought it. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like they already know the deal or whatever, but they were leaving all the clothes, you know, like, man, we were finding amazing Nike pieces, you know, Bo, Bo Jackson pieces, a bunch of Jordan pieces, just good Andre Agassi stuff. Just like, good Lord, dead stock stacks of it. You know, that's so just, sick. Just to see all that stuff and then with tags and stuff, it was just so cool. So it's it's funny, like when you think like obviously this the owner of this place was a fucking G because there seemed like they treated you guys so good. Because there is like a hoarder disease that a lot of these people have that they're so attached to it, you know. Like I've I don't think we've probably got starters for 20 bucks a few times, but most of the time you go in and they want like retail or something crazy. That's why they still have the shit. Well, at this point, they weren't making money off any of the sportswear and stuff. They were making, uh, they were screen printing shirts for their local uh, baseball teams and whatnot, like cleats, just baseball gear and whatnot. Like this store, I mean, this place in Kentucky was like tiny. You know, there was like a McDonald's, a Kroger's, and like a few restaurants, and that was it. You know, yeah. it was a very small town, you know, and they, it was like, I think it was like three brothers that owned it and they had, it was, it was, I guess his dad's or something, but they passed it down to the kids and they were, they were a lot older too. And they were like, man, we're getting tired of this too. So Jake and them came back another time, bought more stuff. And then like, I don't know, at this time we, me and him, we just built a good relationship you know he was trying to teach me like hey look look for this look for that so every time i kept going i'd send him pictures and like check this out what do you think about this like damn they had more of those like oh and then he just kept buying shit off me or we we would trade and whatnot but i kept going back and then finally he was like hey man we're closing the doors you know and i was like i got you know i was like oh there's still more stuff in there all lot. so he he offered me to buy the whole store you know he was like, man, take everything. And I was like, what am I going to do with all like this? I would literally need like five storage units to put all this, you know, bunch of blanks, bunch of baseball cleats, baseball bats. You know, I would have definitely, you know, now looking back at it, he gave me a good offer for everything. I just didn't know how I was going to sell it. Too much to deal with. Yeah. So so, did you go back one last time when he said that though? And do the last thing? So yeah, I did that, but he so he's like, hey, we're going to close down, blah, blah. Come back. If you want anything, you know, he's like, you can have some of the posters that you've been wanting. I was like, cool. I went up there. I found more stuff. And he's like, hey, all right, man, we're closing the doors. I thought it was my last time there. Then I just kept like, I was like, man, I want to go back. There's got to be more stuff. And the store was closed. But like I said, we built a, we built a really good relationship. And. I called him up and I was like, hey, man, I know the store's not open anymore. Is all that stuff still in there? He's like, yeah, it's in there. And I was like, because he told me they were going to tear the building down. I was like, hey, can I still go up there? And he was like, yeah. So he let me go. And what he would do is he would he would come open the store for me. And he'd lock us in there. And we'd go through 
every, we went, we got to go through everything, you know, cause we had saw some bootleg Nike prints and we knew they printed stuff. So we found like, you know, the, the screen printing for vintage Nike shit and whatnot, but he never let me buy that stuff. Cause I know oh, I can get in trouble for this. And when I was like, I promise you, I'm not going to do anything with it, but he never let me get it. But he would lock me in the store and I'm sitting there for like four or five hours going through everything I could, you know? And I did it multiple times, you know, until finally I was like, all right, man, I think I'm done. He's like, all right, man. And then I went back up there just to go up there just for the hell of it. And the building was gone. Fuck. That's so crazy. Man, I went there for years, man. Years. What a spot, dude. What a spot. That's so rad. It's crazy how like that one spot, kind, you know, probably really kickstarted like your your career in vintage, man. Like, no, absolutely, absolutely did, man. Like, it just like all my friends were like, "Oh, this is really cool." Like, you know, I, was, I didn't, you know, to get rid of it fast, you know, like, oh, twenty bucks a tee, thirty dollars, you know. Of course, the Jordan stuff I charge more, but like, it was all sports stuff, and I was selling all that stuff to my friends, and everybody's like just interested in it. And I'd go to my friend's house, and he'd always have a bunch of people coming through his house you know he lived with a bunch of guys so he always had homies coming through and i'd be like hey i got a box in my trunk and i just literally i'd go to my friend's house and they just all pick through my stuff yeah and started buying shit off me so then this is where atlanta comes in so of course at that time i'm into sneakers as well you know uh skateboarding i was really into the sbs and whatnot um so I started doing selling sneakers too with it, you know, because people who want to get before we jump onto the Atlanta story, I got I got one last question for this big story. Did you keep anything? Did you keep like some personals from that place? Yes, absolutely. Like, are we? What did you keep? Oh, so I definitely kept I kept um, the the I kept a lot of hats. I still have a lot of the hats. The what Raiders, are we talking, uh, like 50, 100, 200? No, I didn't keep that many. I kept, like, one of everything for myself. Okay. You know, the, a couple Paisleys, uh, Denims, um, the Starter Raiders hats and whatnot. I kept some of yeah. those. And then I kept um, the Starter Jordan sweatpants, Dominique. Oh, no, I sold the Dominique ones. Uh, Magic oh, those are the Those are the sick ones with the big picture down the side, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, nice. like, okay. Yeah. So I kept I kept the shorts too. I have like Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, Jordan shorts, and then the Magic Johnson pants and uh, Jordan pants, which uh, you still don't see them. You still no, do. Dude. We it's see like a couple of a year, maybe you know. Yeah. So I definitely kept those. Those are probably the very cool things. And then of course I kept like uh, the starter boxes and whatnot. I keep my hats in them. So yeah. that was really cool. Okay, so hop back into Atlanta here. How did that all come to be? So Atlanta had always been like my second home as a kid. You know, my, my dad, um, my, my whole family lived in Atlanta for years, you know, before I was born. My brother and my sister were both born in there. And I have a lot of family over there, my aunts and uncles, you know. So I grew up always going down there. Uh, again, it's only a three-hour drive. Going down there for Christmas, holiday, and then concerts different shows, you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I think I heard about uh, Dunk Exchange before Sneaker Cons and whatnot. It was a show called Dunk Exchange for the Dunk Collectors, pretty much. 
And that's what I was doing. I was like, hey, you know what? I have a bunch of SBs. I have a bunch of stuff that I'm selling. I should probably try one of these trade shows out. You know, it's like a hundred bucks a table. Uh, I'd watched some videos and stuff and saw that they were doing good and whatnot with their social media. So like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. We go down there, take everything, buy a table, stay with my cousin or something, you know, it'll be a, a getaway, you know, and make some money. So I did that and I did really well. You know, I was like, holy shit, people be buying sneakers and buying vintage. You know, I had so much more vintage. I was like, holy shit. You know, I had stock for days, man. I had boxes and shit. I was like, man, if I can just do this like once a month or however, like I can make a living off this, you know? So I uh, I started doing a couple of those shows. I did that, I did sneaker exit and stuff. And I got my name buzzing in Atlanta, you know? So these shows like, hey, man, I know you're from Tennessee, but if you make the drive, we'll make you, we need vendors and your stuff is dope. They're like, if you make that, that drive, I'll give you a free booth. And I was like, nice. like, that, that's, you know, all I'm paying for is the gas, you know? And I started doing those a lot, like more frequently and whatnot. And that's how I met Leo, my business partner. Um, he was he pulled up on me at one of the dunk exchange shows and he was like, dude, he pulled up and he was like, yo, I got some trade. He started buying stuff off me and they're like, yo, check out this stuff. And he had, he was the Jersey guy, man. I hadn't found any jerseys there. I found a bunch of sports stuff, but never jerseys. He had uh champion jerseys, starter uh, baseball jerseys. I was like, holy shit, this guy's got shit. You know, he's obviously finding stuff too. So me and him just like built a relationship you know every time i was in town we'd always link up buy off each other trade whatever have food just kick it you know it was like dude you're yeah. the only one that what i do in in the city so me and him started doing uh those shows he was vintage solutions i started an account el vintage jefe the vintage boss real corny but whatever <laughs> <laughs> i i remember that one too for sure yeah so, uh, man, and was, where was he digging? Was he just thrifting more so, or was he finding spots? Both, you know, he was finding spots and he was thrifting a lot and then he was eBaying a lot. You know, he was, he was really getting the sources on eBay, you know, like notice, like, you know, if you're a good eBay, you'll like notice like, Oh, if they have one and then they relist something you're like, Oh, this person has more. And then he, you know, send them messages like, Hey, do you have more of these? And like, yeah, I actually have a bunch more, and then he'd find people like that. But uh, he had some good stuff. So me and him, we were, we were the only ones at the – he started doing the shows too, and we were the only two that were doing the same thing. And I remember people always getting us confused, like, hey, are you Vintage Solutions? Hey, are you a Vintage Jefe? Like, we both, like, you know, because we never really showed our face on there too much. We were just selling stuff on there. But we built um, – a really good relationship and it just took off but uh man i remember me and him did a show at morehouse college and um we were the only one there was maybe like 20 20 to 30 vendors in there it wasn't very popping but we were the only two that were doing that same thing and i remember we me and him crushed the show like there wasn't that many people but we made the most money ever because all these college students that had never seen any of this stuff and just I, I looked at his booth, I looked at my booth, and we were just consistently just busy, man. I was like, holy shit, man, this is amazing, you know? After that, we were like, holy crap, like, I can't believe we just did that. Like, there was hardly anybody in there, but we just sold so much, you know, celebrating and whatnot. 
But uh, I had always told him, I'm like, bro, we should do a pop-up together, you know, rent out a spot for like a, a month or a week or a couple of days and do something. And he was like, yeah, we should, man. Every I kept bothering him, like, dude, let's do something. You're in this city. You, you, know, you know a bunch of people here. I know a bunch of people. I mean, and he was like, yeah, okay. I kept going to Atlanta a bunch of times. Like, it, me and my girl, we would go down there for shows and whatnot, and I built a customer and I'd hit them up before I was coming down. Like, hey, man, I'm coming down. If you guys want to meet up, uh, let's do something. I used to pull up to Linux Hall and just pop the trunk, and my friend would bring a bunch of people, and they just shop with me. And it was amazing. So I got a really good relationship. You just, you just show up at the mall? Is that what you said? Yeah. I'd, in, the, in, the par- in the parking lot, and I'd like tell my friends, like, oh, this is where I'm at. He'd bring like 10 people with him and they were all in the snapbacks and stuff too. And they were paying up because they had got into it. You know, they knew the sports specialties and the starters. So they started buying a bunch of stuff off me. I was like, holy shit, I don't even need to do shows. Like I'm getting a customer base down here. And he, and Leo saw that too. So one day he, I get a text from him and I start at this point, I started wholesaling to some people. Um, I, I started selling a lot to somebody up in, in Canada. You remember Snapback Goods? Yeah. He oh, yeah, buying, Toronto, right? Yep. Yeah. I was selling him a bunch of stuff, which I, I regret selling. You know what? What I, I don't even, I can't remember. I don't know why I didn't mention this, but, man, I was finding uh, it had, like, 85 flight suits in there. You know, oh, like the, the full one pieces, yeah. Fuck. Not, not, the full, not the full one pieces, but it was like a weird zip up and the shorts for it. And I remember he was like, Yeah, let me. He got really stoked about that stuff. And I didn't know there were the 85. I'm not going to lie. The suits and whatnot. But he was like, He kept buying them and buying them. He was like, Oh, well, let me buy more. And I started wholesaling a lot to him and some other big names and whatnot. And so Leo hits me up one day and he's like, Hey, man. Uh, can I buy some stuff off for wholesale? And I was like, you know what, dude? Like, I had, I was starting to get low on my inventory. My eBay was going down. I was like, I didn't have uh, too much more product. You know, I was like, I want this shit to last. You know, I wanted to sell it myself. And I was like, nah, man. You know what? I'm kind of done wholesaling right now. You know, like uh, I'm I'm down on inventory. I need to sell it off myself. And he's like, okay, cool. I understand. He's like, well, how about this? He hits me up. He's like, yo. So I'm looking at a spot. How would you, I know you live in Tennessee. I know you have the product. I know you have the drive and you love to do this. Like, how do you feel about opening up a store with me and my buddy? And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, and you know, what's crazy at this time too. I had, I was working, I had just got out of high school and I had my son, I was 18. I was Graduated early. So you're not even, you're not even 30? No. <laughs> Damn, dude. Okay. I'm 28. Um, so, man, uh, I start right after uh, high school. My, uh, my, my buddy that was working at PacSun was like, hey, dude, we're getting the Zoomies, man. And I know you're about, you just turned 18, blah, blah. He's like, I know you just had your kid. You want a you know opportunity? I can put you on at Zoomies and start you off as a manager. And I was like, oh my god! Like you know, I'm like finally some more money, you know, coming in. So I was like, cool, I'll do that. I worked at Zoomies for about three, three and a half years as a manager. I got fired for some petty bullshit. 
just messing around. I'm, I'm a jokester, and I think I, what I do. I told somebody, uh, so you have to have a key to get in to the fitting rooms. And uh, somebody was like, hey, man, can I get into the fitting room? I was like, oh, man, I lost the key, bro. You got to crawl under. And and he got <laughs> – and I was you know, completely kidding, you know. And uh, I guess he got on his knees like, dude, I'm just kidding, you know. Like He was like, oh, he, he didn't think it was funny pretty much. Called corporate, blah, blah. He calls know. corporate for that. What yeah. the fuck? Long story short, my manager is my friend. Like, we're actually home. Like, dude, I fucking hate to do this. I walked into work one day. He's like, dude, I fucking hate to do this, man. But uh, I got have to let you go. And I was like, fuck. He's like, dude. He's like, and I knew he wasn't, he didn't want to, you know. We were, we were boys. So I was like, fuck, man. I was like, damn it. You know, I was like, fuck. You know, whatever. I was selling clothes. Actually, you know what's crazy? While I was working at Zoomies, I started getting a, a, my clientele up at Zoomies because, you know, I was a manager or whatever, and I would go in there and I would take a bunch of my Instagram pictures in there, like on the floor. So you, I had to you'd bring stock. Out. You'd bring your stock in to work. Yeah, and I would just take pictures of it and whatnot, and then I, I started noticing that people were like, yo, where's that at? And I was like, oh, this ain't that, bro. I sell this, you know, and I was like, what? So people started coming in and like, you know, I'm like, hey, check out my Instagram, blah, blah. Check out this. You know, I started building a clientele. I start, a lot of the, like, football players for UT and the basketball players started knowing me because I was selling sneakers, too. So I started selling stuff out of there. I'd let people pick up their orders or whatever there at Zoomies. And uh, so after I left there, my, my, uh, my manager knew – that I was selling vintage and whatnot. But when he let me go, I remember he's like, Hey man, uh, maybe you can, you know, it, maybe this is a blessing for you. Maybe you can do something cool with your vintage stuff. You know, you know, I believe in you. Like this, this could be, you know, it's going to be faith for you. Like this is something that it happens for a reason. And I was like, thanks bro. He's like, and then I was like, fuck man. So I lost my job. So I started selling and I was very consistent with listing and posting things on Instagram. And I was like, dude, if I can make a hundred bucks a day, I'm good. And I, I did that. I was hitting that goal consistently and whatnot. But then that, that's when Leo hit me up like a few months after I, I lost my job. And I was like, holy shit, like this is falling into, this is God's plan. You know, I was like, holy shit. Like, so he calls me, he's like, dude, uh i'm looking at this spot it's this much i know you have inventory i know you can't be here all the time but if you're willing to make it work come down and check it out next day i drive down to atlanta have some money in my pocket i look at the spot we look at it all together and we're just it it was a women's boutique before that and they're like hey if you want all these racks and whatnot it, it was ready for a store pretty much. Like if you want all the racks and whatnot, give us like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, but sold, you know, like we don't have Done, the money. To yeah. do, we don't have the money to redo a store and all this. So we were like, fuck it. We'll work with what we got. So next thing you know, we signed the paperwork and we had a store. That's and then we, we So were, who's the third, who's the third partner? His homie. Uh, yeah. John, it's like his, uh, his best friend, like growing up as a, you know, high school and college. And then, you know, I, I met him and we started, we all just, every time I'd come in, we'd all go out to eat. We'd all hang out, do stuff together. You know, I got to know him. I was like, okay. He was 
John is our third partner. He's like the silent guy behind the camera. Doesn't really like to be seen and whatnot. Just does. He's amazing. He's or you know you know how it is, man. Oh yeah, totally. You need you need all types, man. Yeah, for sure. So he he was really into the fashion, man. He he knew the designer. He knew the supreme. He knew the bait really well. And when and designer like he was ahead of the game of the game for all this stuff. You know, very knowledgeable. And I was like, holy shit, like this guy knows his shit. So I was like, so you know. I got a question about that. So your store, like you were one of the first, obviously you probably got heavily influenced. Did, did, did Boneyard have their store at that time? No. You were before them. Okay. So <laughs> you guys right now, you sell sneakers, you sell uh, vintage and you sell streetwear, right? This is like the new business model that everyone's doing, but you guys were on it like pretty early. I'm thinking because versus was like, as far as I remember, like a while ago. 2015 2015 so like from the beginning what was your product mix did you guys were you selling sneakers and streetwear like right from the beginning as soon as we started i mean uh we had the sneakers and we had the vintage the supreme and stuff we 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 hadn't got i think we had like very few products um we we started out with the vintage first and then once we got enough of the streetwear we made one little rack of it It it's like a four foot rack you know, with just streetwear. And we're like, well, then that started building up to two racks. And that's how it was. That's how we kept it. We kept those two full racks of streetwear, but the vintage at the time was doing so well. But I remember we opened up the first day. Uh, we had Bankroll Fresh come in. So it was a great start, you know, rest in peace. You know, he's a local uh, Atlanta rapper, but he came in on the first day we ever opened up and we're like, holy shit. And, and man, our friends and whatnot came out. It was amazing, man. I was like, holy shit. I cannot believe like the numbers that we did on our first day. Cause we had been working on it for months, man. And you know, it, it came out really well. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, was very, I was very satisfied with the way that we did it. You know, it wasn't like a lot of, a lot of stores nowadays. It just, it's, it's overly like cluttered and whatnot. And we didn't want that. But we wanted to give people that vintage look, like when you walk in, you know. And I think when we opened the store, I was really satisfied with it. And then we just grew and grew and grew. And now we just opened up our newest store about two months ago. So you have still the one store. You just moved, right? uh, So, okay. So our first, our small location where we started, we... We were there for three years. After the three years, we expanded the store. We broke a wall down, made it bigger. We remodeled it all, did new racks, new floor, made it look a lot classier. You know, because we were just tired of people coming in there and being like, oh, this looks like a thrift store. Oh, my God. You know, this looks, you know, like this is used clothes. And we're like, all right, fuck this. You know, we're going boutique style. Wanted to make yeah. it look clean refreshing and whatnot because we had we were in those three years man we were getting a bunch of like celebrities and whatnot coming in you know people wanting us to style them people for uh stuff for tv shows just movie sets and stuff like that so like man we need to if we're going to charge these prices we need to make it look like that you know marketing so we did that and people were upset about we took we had the walls covered when we first opened up for those three years just like you know, T-shirts, hats on the wall, uh, just posters, a bunch of just a '90s vibe. Yeah. So then we we went for the boutique style, and people were like, "Oh, you guys like 
you guys changed on us. And we're like, okay, whatever. So we started putting things back on the wall, but we made it look very clean and um, boutique-ish. So, man, with this new store coming up, we were like, yeah, let's just move to this other store. But then we thought about it and we were like, you know what? If we move from there, somebody else is going to come in and do the same thing we're doing because the store is ready to go. It'd be dumb yeah. not you know, and people take advantage of that. Like, oh, they already have a reputation. People are still going to come to this location not knowing that it's not here anymore. So totally. we actually decided to keep the store. Our first location now is an event space now. So all of our friends that come in and whatnot, they're all doing something. So now we do like uh, listening parties there, uh, podcasts. We rent it out for people's podcasts, photography, and pop-ups. Damn, so, that's sick. So just because man, that's a ballsy like, move to keep it just so that nobody else could snake it. You know, it's yeah. funny you say that because I, I, my store in Vancouver is in an old skate shop, and I swear people, it's ten. We've been there like eleven years, dude, or twelve years. People still come in. They're like, "Where's the skate shop?" I'm like, "Bro, we've been here for twelve years." <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> We were we were locked in too for like a great price there that we couldn't we couldn't beat man because we looked for this whole this new store that we're in now we looked for over a year just trying to find something in a good location good price you know parking you know parking is a big thing in Atlanta just because you have to pay for parking and all that shit yeah and if you have retail you want people to be able to like come in find parking quick. So many people will like, if they're looking for parking too long, they're just going to dip and not even bother. And that, that, that's what was really good about our location at East Atlanta village, which is it's a little village, they call it, you know, but it's a bunch of, uh, uh, bars and furniture store and restaurants. It's mainly what it is, but we built our name there, man. And, uh, I, we didn't want to lose that spot. Cause like I said, somebody's going to come in and do the same thing. So with our new spot, man, it is 10 minutes away from our other spot, right downtown in Atlanta, right next to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Phillips Arena. So foot traffic there is awesome, man. We've been there for, like I said, two months now. Uh, opened. We got it in October. But, you know, you fall into errors and you want to get everything perfect. So, man, this new story. Is- so how's it been? Like, what's the, the, the take? You guys getting the foot traffic you want? Sales are good in the new spot? People love it, man. We were we were keeping it on the hush hush for a while, so we didn't put the address or let anybody know what day we were going to open up. So we we got the store ready, and we're like, "Fuck it, man! Let's go! Let's drop the address the day before and see how it goes." And we didn't think anything of it. We're like, "All right, let's see." We we put it on there the night before. The next morning, I'm like, "Oh, there's no line. I get there early. There's nothing." By the time we open up, we have a line all the way around the block. And I'm just like, holy shit. And what's cool about this new area, there's not a lot of like um, stores and other businesses there, but there's apartments and condos all above us and across the street. And the whole time we've been working on it, you know, I see everybody taking their dogs out. Everybody's wearing Yeezys, Jordans. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good neighborhood. (laughs) And Man, we opened up and it's been amazing. It, it, I feel like we've gotten a lot more love and support from these people than we ever got in those six and a half years when we were in East Atlanta Village. I mean, the people that live across the street above from us, 
next to us, all of them are always bringing in their friends. Like, Hey, check this spot out that I have downstairs or across the street, you know, like bringing in people in all day. And there's more businesses that are coming now. Like there's a tea spot next to us and they like, they have all the girls coming in there and they're bringing girls into our store. And it's just been amazing. A lot of people are like, you know, we're the, we're the new store in Atlanta. And we're like, man, we were the first store in Atlanta to do this, you know? <laughs> but, but well, we dude, I, I'm happy for you, man. Congrats on the success there. That's super yeah, sweet to hear and the whole timeline of it all. And I, your brother tells me you want to do a Knoxville store at some point. I do. So, I you think that's in the cards or what? Absolutely, man. I think this is uh, I think this is the year I'm gonna do Knoxville, you know. We were actually we were So you'll if you do Knoxville, you'll stay versus stay with the partners, do the whole deal, right? Yeah. So I still live I still live in Knoxville. I'm pretty much I'm just kinda tired. I've been doing this, nobody knows this, but I just I bought a house here what seven, eight years ago, the house that I'm in right now. So I never really wanted to live in Atlanta just because like, you know, I have kids and whatnot, but so like living in a good area, it's, it's very expensive, a lot more expensive than, yeah, for sure. So I never really wanted to move down there. You know, I was like, you know what, I'll give it my time and effort. I'll do what I can from Knoxville and whatnot. Cause really I do all the sourcing for the vintage and whatnot. And then every, and my partners are in store all the time. You know, Leo does digging too, but, Pretty much a lot of that stuff just comes from the store. Not the vintage so much, but the streetwear and the sneakers, it all just comes to us. Yeah. Know, we have we good relationship with people and things come in. But so I'm here every every other week I'm here in Knoxville. I go Knoxville and Atlanta back and forth like no other. But when I go, I go for four or five days at a time and stay and come back home. Yeah. So where do you stay? Like you got a spot you kick it? I just I just, I just stay with my homie. My homie has an extra spot uh room there or whatever. I just stay there. Yeah. Nice. I mean there's there's been times where I've stayed at the store, you know, like that's how it is, man. The dedication and I know in the long run it's gonna pay off, you know. But I've always thought about like, hey, maybe I should get a, a roommate and get a spot here, but I really don't want to. I just yeah, fair, want. man. I mean you're smart. Like I live out of the city. Cause, cause of my kids, you know, we live in a great neighborhood, obviously like your family's there in Knoxville, um, which I kind of touched on, but your, your father owns uh, a restaurant that you grew up in and you're working at to this day during Absolutely. the weeks, which I think is fucking rad. I've always wondered like the growing up in the restaurant world vibes. I didn't, my dad was like a businessman selling clothing, doing that kind of thing. So like after school, you just like would go to the restaurant, kick it. They're making you food. Like you're hanging out. Like it's a super family restaurant vibe. Yeah, I grew up in it. So my dad started, like I said, he started in Atlanta. He opened up his first restaurant in the late 80s and whatnot. Uh, doing all that. He had a fall through with his partner. He had a business opportunity here in Knoxville. So he moved us all up here. I mean, I mean, I wasn't born yet. So my brothers and my my brother and my sister and then we came here and my dad started his restaurant here as a manager the main manager or whatever and then eventually he bought into it and my dad had he had one restaurant and then he they opened up another one and that's when he opened it a year before i was born so my dad this new restaurant 
that I work at right down the street, man. It's a it's a staple here in Knoxville. You know, we're the oldest. Well, what's it called? What's it called? Called uh, Monterrey. Okay. My, my I man. give you my word. One day I'm coming to your restaurant. Guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, when Jake and them were, anytime I have homies, then I'm like, dude, come on by, come by. You got to come by, you know, when Jake and them Boneyard boys, they would always, when they were in Knoxville, like, come eat, We'd come eat, you know, it's like, oh, it's on the house, you know. That's but, so uh, rad. Okay. I got, I got a question about this. So I, we need, I, I mean, you can share with us what you want or not, but we need one family secret. Like give us like a, a recipe or something like a, Something from the restaurant world. Like, you got any, like, yeah, you got a recipe you can share with us? No, not really, man. Uh, I mean, just, man, our food. Okay, so my dad has opened and closed and owned a ton of restaurants, you know, where meaning, like, you know, some have failed, some have been fucked up with business partners, you know, it's been a chaos doing, you know, for years. You know, I saw my dad open and close restaurants like it was nothing, you know, like, I mean, I'm 28. I've definitely seen him do it with like at least 10 restaurants. Wow. And like just riding the tide. Some do well, some don't, you know, shit hits the fan, you got to close, whatever. And he did them, he did them out of the city too. You know, he did here, he would do Chattanooga. He did Indianapolis. Like he would be scattered everywhere. I was like, damn, you know, so that motivated me. I was like, if my dad can do that and be a, you know, not there all the time, I can do that too, you know? But I grew up, you know, like seeing my dad, like just work, 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 hustle, hustle. You know, my dad migrated over here from Mexico, both of my parents, you know, like with nothing. Yeah. You know, my dad, I have stories of my dad, you know, like my dad lived in Texas to Cali and then he lived in Chicago for years. My dad was an ice cream man. And he used to call my dad uh, Paletero, ice cream man. He used to push the little buggies around, you know. No shit. Yeah. Out in freezing cold, and my dad got his first car out there, got stolen, and he's like, "Man, fuck this, man! This shit is dangerous." So then he moved to Atlanta to do all that. So this new restaurant, man. I mean, this restaurant that I work at is—it turns thirty years old this year. And you call it the new one? No, no, thirty years is a good run. (laughs) Thirty years. Um, The restaurant business is like no other. Like I spent time during before I got into doing what I do now. I always worked in restaurants just because of the industry. Like uh, I was snowboarding all the time. So like it was easy to get jobs in the restaurants, but the restaurant grind is hard. Obviously, you know that with your dad, like you don't leave it. You you're there till it's closed. Like you're there early prepping. Like that shit is a serious grind. Yeah. And you got to keep, you got to keep all your employees happy and shit too, man. Like that's serious. It's a, it's a headache, man. I saw my dad go through it, you know, I didn't like, I didn't get to see my dad a lot. Like when I was a kid, that's, I was always skating. I'd, I'd come home from school. I'd see him for like two hours. We'd eat and he'd go right back to work. By the time he got home from work, I'm already asleep. So I didn't get to see him a lot, you know, and uh, I was salty about it as a kid. But when I got older, I was like, yo, I respect it. You know, I see why he was doing this. Like, if it wasn't for that restaurant, man, I wouldn't have the the drive and the motivation and the work ethic that I have now. So I'm very thankful for that restaurant, you know. And I know if anything fails in life, I always have that to go to, you know, the yeah. restaurant. Yeah, well, I'm, it's good you appreciate it. It's true. You get a good work ethic from grinding it out in a restaurant. Bro, I mean, sure. I, remember I used to go there as a kid and my dad would put me to work. You know, I'd bust table, I'd clean dishes, I'd 
clean tables. I did anything. I learned everything to do except the cooking part. I don't, I don't touch the cooking. I can cook in there, but I don't know yeah. the recipes and all that. Okay. It's a good process. I'll have to get that from your brother then. Yeah. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a quick message from our sponsor, BidStitch at BidStitch, BidStitch.com. Okay. You can sell your vintage on BidStitch with no commission fees. Okay. It is a free platform to sell your product app is in development right now. Go check out the desktop. Go check it out if you want to get all kinds of news and see what's going on in the vintage community. But also, if you're planning on starting an event or running any kind of flea market or multi-seller event, we have resources. We will help you get it done. So hit us up at BidStitch. Now back to the episode. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so... This is a good one here. So you are currently serving during the week when you're there, which again, I want to touch on this too. Like from what I see and your brother confirms this, you're, you're a good dad. You're there for your kids. You spend a lot of family time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I appreciate that. Your brother says you do the off the back restaurant challenge. You literally will go up to your fucking table <laughs> while they're eating and ask to give them free food. Like, yo, let me comp your meal. If I can grab your T-shirt and I'll give you one of our restaurant tees to go home with. I was like, yo, this is legit right here. I don't think I've ever really told anybody about that. But yes, I am. I mean, I've been doing off the back challenges for fucking 10 years, man. Off that head challenges, you know, when it was, you know, I'd buy hats off people's back. I mean, off their head. Well, that's sick. You already said that's how you found your first dig was legit and off the head challenge straight up. Absolutely. So I'll never forget that, you know, but yeah, man, I've definitely (laughs) in the the restaurant. I definitely do. I'm not shy, man. I'll I'll come out and say, but I'll I'll say in like the coolest way I can though. Like, Hey man, like I've noticed like, okay. um, I've got a lot of shirts in there. Fuck. I got a good 3D emblem uh, off this guy, man. Um, he had the 3D emblem where the Reaper was biting the girl's nipple off. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Sick one. Yeah. That was a really good one. But, uh, man, I was just like, hey, man, that's a really cool shirt, man. Like, uh, my dad used to have that shirt. Like, I'll just make up a story to, like, to make it seem to – I was attached to that. Yeah, and like build a repertoire with the customer and kind of. I would like, never let them know that I'm like I'm buying and I'm I'm selling this. You know, never let anybody know that because they'll fucking charge you. Because they then they'll look into see into it and see what it is. But I'll definitely be like, hey man, like, is there any way you would sell that shirt, man? I know that sounds weird, man, but uh, my dad had that shirt, man. I would love to give that to him. I remember it as a kid because my mom, you know, she got really mad about it, you know, and he'd be like uh what and be like i'll be like I, I'll, I'll buy your food once i say i'll buy your food they're like me i'm not buying, I'm not buying margaritas food. margaritas on the house let's go take yeah. off your shirt <laughs> <laughs> i've done that a few times though. i'm not gonna lie uh i did a chucky t-shirt off somebody and the most recent one i did about about four or five months ago i did a cypress hill off somebody's back yeah. And it, I was like, I was like, I, I kept, I, you know, I always peep it out first. I walk by and I'm like, is it old, is it vintage, single stitch? Okay, yes, it is. And then I was like, hey, man, um, my dad went to that tour, you know, like, can I, any way I can get that shirt from you, man? I'll, I'll buy your food. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Like, I don't have another shirt. I'm like, I'll give you a Monterey shirt, dude. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. 
<laughs> That's so legit. Um, fucking super G for doing that. I love that story. You know, um, anybody else who did an off the back challenge while they're serving at a restaurant, definitely getting fired. FYI, yeah. but you're, you're in with the owner, so you're good. <laughs> um, but let's put this out there as a challenge to listeners. Okay, guys, we know you guys all love to do the off the back challenge. But let's see you do it in a restaurant. Go up to the table next to you and go buy somebody's shirt off their back while they're eating dinner. Buy them a round of drinks. See what's ha- what happens. And if you succeed, tag us. We want to know. Yeah, and and also, man, like you know, it's a very family oriented restaurant when you come into my uh, in a, into our restaurant because it's my dad and my uncle who own it, and my uncle has three kids that work there, and it's me and my brother. So it's all, it's mostly family. And my mom used to work there and whatnot. My dad and my mom just recently retired, but um, it's all family. It's all cousins, uncles, whatnot in there. So it's a really good vibe, but we build a really, it's a really family oriented restaurant. Like I said, so they, I know them by names. They know me by name. Like it's a cool vibe, but a lot of people know what I do there since I've, I've grown up there. You know, people have seen me growing up grow up literally since a little kid busing tables to serving you know yeah. so now now you know I, I won't you know i know a lot of people I'm like hey man like i'll tell them like if i see them with a shirt or something okay like, hey, man if you have more of those let me know and i've had many customers bring me in shit man nascar is huge here so there was like a couple that every time they would come in they'd always have nascar all over prints every time and i was like hey do you have any shirts you would get rid of like i'll buy some like a month later, she would come in and give me a stack of shirts. I'm like, here, I don't want these smelling like cigarette and shit. I'm like, holy shit. I was like, I was like, well, she's like, how much you want for them? I said, like, don't worry about it. She's like, all right, cool. I'll be like, hey, Manny, don't charge them for their check. You're like, okay, I got you. And just they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm like, cool, thank you so much. That's legit, dude. I, I've had a lot of customers bring me t shirts in, a lot. Yeah, that's so sick, dude. I love that fucking story, man. So it pays. So keep working the restaurant as long as you can, man. And and also, like, if people like buy a lot of my friends here locally, if they like, you know, they see us post something on Instagram or our merch versus merch or whatever, I always make it uh, Monterey a destination to me. Always, yeah. If I'm buying something off Craigslist, if I'm buying something off, you know, oh, like you uh, put it in like the location on the tag. No, no, no. I just like, hey, where do you want to meet? I was like, hey, can you meet at Monterey? And then I'll okay. try to bribe. I'll, I'll even bribe him with free food. Like, hey, if you come here, I'll give you free food. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so shout out to Monterey, man. Uh, love for it. Free food works, man. Okay, so I want to talk about um your your brother also told me. Well, I, I saw on the show, too. We'll get into the show next because everybody wants to hear about the show um, super dope Netflix show, uh, swap shop that you're on, but you, you're also into toys, right? Yes, I am. So, um, your brother said you're a big Barney fan. Shout out Barney throwing you under the bus there. When I I was a kid, when I was a kid. (laughs) So tell us like about that and not about Barney, but about collecting toys, like what you look for, you know, you guys, I, I guess it seems like you sell it in the store too. Yeah. So, I always, what really got me into the toys was really just having a son. You know, my son's 10 years old. I would always, I remember me going to the flea markets and finding toys when I was a kid. And as I got older, I realized like, hey, these are vintage. They're probably worth some money. 
So I started looking to- looking into toys and they definitely had resale value. And I started putting them in the store as displays. And people always ask, hey, is this for sale? Is this for sale? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's not for sale. No. And then I was like, you know what? I started finding more of it. And I was like, you know what? I could probably sell this stuff too. You know, uh, things that go with the vintage clothing. Like what we sell in the store is like pop culture toys. You know, like we have like, the whole Space Jam set from 96, everything. And I'm real particular about buying things too. It has to be, of course, if I'm selling it in the store, it has to be in box for most of the part. Like most of the time, everything is in box. And I'm real, I like everything in pristine condition. But I started buying toys and it was just stuff that went with it. You know, the Dennis Rodman toys, the Space Jam toys, the... Home Alone doll, just movie Terminator 2, the mask toys, like things that I grew up watching and seeing. And my son started getting into it because I went to my mom's house and I used to collect Dragon Ball Z toys very heavy as a kid. I wanted everything and all that. So I went and uh, went to my mom's and my mom had all that stuff and I gave that all to my son. And then me and him started buying Dragon Ball Z toys, finding them. And I kept finding cooler shit and I found out about other movie toys and musician toys and whatnot and putting it in the store and selling it. So then I realized that my whole storage unit is filled up with toys and and sneakers. Like, holy shit. I I got got carried away with it. You know, once once I saw something, I was like, I have to have it. And then I started going, not just, I don't just go to, sneaker shows and vintage shows i go to toy shows too yeah because toy shows i'm putting you guys on this toy shows you can meet people who have this stuff the t-shirts and the whatnot you know like i found like one year i went to a toy show and this guy collected horror toys which are your money horror toys horror anything goes for money but he had horror toys and i was like hey man i'm gonna shoot my shot i was like do you have any horror tees yeah, here, take my phone number. Fucking got a shitload of great stuff off the guy. Just Halloween, yeah. team, Scream, Freddy Krueger, all this shit off him. So I'm putting you guys on. People who have toys have shirts too. You got to think about them. They're nerds just like us with clothing. Well, yeah, legit tip. It's like, you know, you, you got your comic book t-shirts from the comic store. You know, you get your like movie T-shirts from the fucking VHS rental place, Blockbuster, whatever. So that's like it makes total sense. These people are going to have the shit. You don't just find them at like the mall. Um, Okay, so I got I got a toy quiz for you. Give us your top five or so like grail toys that like you'd be just hyped to find. Oh, man. Or things that, you know, like would crush in the store. So I my wife recently got me my grail toy, which was. An original Turbo Man from Jingle All the Way. That was. I don't even know what I don't even know what that is. You never seen Jingle All the Way the movie? Uh, the yeah, okay. Movie. I was gonna say Arnold. I remember it vaguely. Yeah, but he the whole the whole movie is about him trying to get a toy, and it's a Turbo Man. And I didn't know that they actually made a Turbo Man toy until like years later and i was like holy shit i gotta find one of those and i think last year i bought some storage units and i found three of them loose and they still go for money like a 100 bucks loose for a figure 
But um, I was like, man, I have to find a, uh, you know, I have to have it in the box. I have to have it in the box. And my wife got it for me for Christmas. She's like, it's like a $300 toy. Nice. So obviously, like, they, this was a Christmas movie that came out and they made these toys to go with it as like a release. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. Um, so you buy storage units too? Um, yeah, I have. That's crazy. Like, do you, you, you have to go to the auctions or would you only buy one that you like knew, knew was good? Uh, so I've, I've bought storage units as well. But the I definitely go to auctions as well. Look him up. Uh, my, one of my friends used to work for a storage unit, and he would always try to put me on and whatnot. So I went to a few of those. But Facebook Market and whatnot, some guy was like, hey, I have a storage unit full of stuff. I'd go to those. And then at my storage unit, too, I'm on call. If a storage unit is going out or whatever, they call me, and they tell me to, hey, come down here and look at it, or we have pictures of it online. I, at this new storage unit that I'm in, I've never found anything. Yeah. That's a hard game. It's like, it's yeah. super hit or miss, man. I know some people that do it and like they come up, but the competition's fierce now on them. I feel like. Yeah. So people are overpaying yeah. for these lockers that could just be total garbage. Right. Yep. Not don't want to lose any money on that. No. Okay. So let's talk about the show. I, uh, you know, it's super rad that you guys got on the show. First of all, I want to know how that happened. The show is called um, swap shop. And the theme of the show is that, there's a radio station where you live in Tennessee that actually like people call in and they can say like, yo, I got a barn full of shit that uh, I want to sell. So anybody come down, they'll tell the address or adversely someone will call in and go like, I'm looking for a 78 Corvette or whatever. And then that yeah. person can try to find something. So from the sounds of it, the show, this radio station has been on the air for a long time. Long time. So it was definitely something that was like before the Craigslist, before the Facebook and whatnot, people could sell whatever they want on there. Or you could be like, hey, I have a restaurant. It's going out of business. Come take everything. Hey, I have a sports store. Come get everything. So how how obviously now this show is based on a few a few groups of people, including you and your partners and um, a bunch of other people. And they're all like listen to the show and then go on, go out on digs. Right. So the first question I have about this is, did you listen to this radio station like a long time ago? Like, did you know about it? No. Okay. So give us the lowdown of how this show came to be or how you came to be on the show. So my friend locally here, uh, had put me onto it. They're like, Hey, this, there's this show that's going on. They need people to go on it, blah, blah. But I was like, and it didn't make sense because she sells vintage too. So I was like, why aren't you being on it? And they were like, they need minorities on there. Okay. So I was like, cool. And they straight up, it's just, it's just like, they'll just tell you straight up, like they need minorities. They told, so they told me straight up. So I was like, all right, cool. Give them my phone number and let's see if we can do something. They reached out to me. I didn't think it was real, to be honest. I was like, ah, oh, this is probably some bullshit because they weren't very, uh, let's say, they weren't communicating that well. You know, I was like, one day I'd get a call. They're like, I'll call you tomorrow. I wasn't getting it and whatnot. So I was like, all right, whatever. And so, so finally we did a, a like a Skype or something like this, like a video call. And after I got off that phone call, I was like, yo, this is 
this is fucking legit. Like, this is really for Netflix and whatnot. They're like, yo, so Netflix bought this idea for the first season. Uh, and we, you know, we heard about what you do. We heard, you know, you sell clothes, toys, all this. And we want to get you on the show. And I was like, cool. So I ran about my business partners. And they're like, dude, let's fucking do it. You know, are we getting paid? What's the thing? I'm like, bro, let's just, let's just do this, man. Like, if this is going to be on Netflix, like, fuck the money. This is going to be great publicity for us like i don't care if i get hate if you know it looks stupid or whatever like this is going to benefit me in the long run it's funny you say that because that's as a as somebody in the game or scene like that always goes through your head like what who what a bunch of fucking guys out there are going to hate on me for going on tv and talking about this or that or fuck it's like that's just always going to be haters, but yeah, okay. No, no, keep, keep. Absolutely, and I think I think there still is some haters even after the show. Like I read some comments, and people were like, "Oh, he he told the game. Oh, well, that, it's vintage is over." Blah blah. I'm like, bro, this is this is this is good for all of us, you know. Like take yeah, it as a, take it as a W, not a L, and don't be a fucking prick about it, you know. Yeah, like, like you're bringing you're bringing awareness to like say snapbacks and vintage to a huge audience that might not have known and now will be customers for all these other people that are bitching at you about doing it it's like mm-hmm. it's ridiculous yeah it's all like i said it's only making the community bigger it's only making it better for all of us yes it's making it harder but guess what get up and work harder you know that's all all, all that should do is motivate you to go harder you want to find totally. this shit Go out there and find that shit. You got plenty of sources. You can come up off people's back, yard sales, estate sales, travel for it, man. Like when I wasn't working, I was going in and out. I was going to North Carolina. I was going to South Carolina. I was going to Kentucky. I was going to Virginia. I was going everywhere. And you know what? I always found something. I found, I had many come ups, stores that I found a lot of dead stock. You know, yeah, and this game, this game was never easy. This game is not meant to be easy. You still, you got to work hard in this game, just like any other career path you choose. You know, success comes to those who put in the work, man. Absolutely, in in any field. So, so you guys, so now you guys are talking. This like the show is kind of like you're thinking now. The show is like more real, and keep going on the story. And then, so they literally told me flat out, they're like, "Hey, man, I heard you're Mexican, and I heard you're." business partners are black. And I was like, yeah, like, well, we need minorities for the show. And I was like, damn, we're just going to come out and say it like that. I was like, cool. I'm never take my Mexicanness to advantage, you know, (laughs) but on. So we, we got it, you know, we got it. We, they interviewed everybody for it to see who they were going to pick for the casting. We, uh, we got it obviously. And they loved us, you know, um, I didn't know what to expect from it. You know, I didn't know any of the other people that were in it. I didn't get to meet the people that were on the show. You know, people always ask me, you know, do you know them? Did you all this? Like, no, we kind of, we filmed everything individually, you know? Yeah. So it was cool. It was very it makes fun. Sense. So, yeah, so we got the, we got the gig. They explained everything to us. I, like I said, I'd never heard, heard about the show, but I got the concept. So like, okay, so it's like a Storage Wars, American Pickers kind of vibe or whatever. I thought it was really cool. But the guy who uh, produced the show or whatever, director, uh, he did um, Counting Cars and he did Impractical Jokers. So I was like, those are both pretty good shows. Like, you know, they're not like 
too corny, but they're corny, but they're not too corny, you know? So like, all right, this guy's going to do a good job of it. So we did, we filmed like eight to 10 episodes, I want to say. And of course I was like, I was like, what, which one's going to be on there? What not? They're like, okay, so Netflix bought one season of it. And I was like, and if it does well, they'll do a second season. But we filmed all this before COVID started. And then COVID happened and it slowed everything down. So I was like, man, this show's not going to come out. You know, it was like a two-year process to do all this. And also like in the show too, like when I was naming prices and whatnot, the market was just everywhere with it, especially by the time it came out, you know, because when COVID started, you know, that um, Instagram lives, you know, T-shirts were fucking skyrocketing. Jordan 1s were skyrocketing. It was, you know, it was crazy. And I was like, damn it, I don't want any of these prices to be wrong or be different by the time the show starts, which it definitely did. But uh, <laughs> Totally. But almost in a good way because it, like, it you told, like, back-to-earth prices when they went fucking through the roof prices, so... You're not like giving away, you know, any, any crazy information, but I mean, so they filmed eight episodes you're saying. So there's, they have backlogs of more shows. <coughs> mm-hmm. Damn. And like that but, first day on set, like give us the lowdown. Was the first thing you actually filmed the Jordan one episode? No, we filmed, uh, in the, so the second season. Okay. So I don't know why, but they split it into two seasons and they didn't tell us that. Because it was originally supposed to be 12 episodes first season. And we didn't even know when it was going to come out, man. I was like, when the fuck is this show going to come out? I, I talked to the producer and I was like, hey, man, when's the show coming out? I was like, oh, it was, they had told me it was going to come out this summer right now. And then they changed it and they changed it again until finally, like, hey, the show's coming out, blah, blah, blah. I forgot what day it came out. But it was like, I was like, holy shit, you know. It's like that's like next month, so it felt unreal when it was like finally it's going to come out, and we had never seen anything. We didn't and you obviously it. had an NDA; you couldn't talk about it. Yeah, I was not allowed to talk about it. That was in the contract, so I was keeping everything on the hush because I had taken a bunch of pictures and I, I wanted to post things so bad, but I wasn't allowed to. So people were like, when this shit came out, they're like, "Holy shit, what the fuck? When did when did you do this?" It was like. I wasn't allowed to talk about it, you know? Yeah. So back to the nitty gritty. First day on the set, they're like, okay, we got this lined up. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to go see this picker, blah, 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 whatever happens. And like, how did you feel that first day being on camera? Like, Uh were were they pretty chill about letting you flow with it? Or were they kind of like, do that again, take that again, like cut, let's go again. Like, how did that flow? So... The first day was just, it was, it was weird. This is definitely weird. You know, I've never been like on camera like that to do anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm not shy or anything. So I was like, man, I, I just got to like go with the flow and whatnot. And they didn't tell me too much what to say. They just kind of like say this, but say it in your own words, like, or really do this because those are real digs. We, we filmed a bunch of digs, but like, to be honest, the shit that we were finding just wasn't that cool. I was like, this isn't going to get anybody's attention. You know, before we did everything, I we did an interview and like, what are the things that you would find that are really cool? I was like, fives, you know, uh, mosquito heads, rat tees, rock tees, fucking these toys, that toy, these shoes. Like I just kind of 
was pretty specific on what was going to be cool to find on the show that was going to get the people's attention and make people want to watch it. Yeah. And like, okay. So we did some show, some, we filmed a bunch of them, but nothing was really that cool until finally I was like, dude, I, I didn't like thing, how things were going. The, okay. After, after the first one, second one, I started get, I felt like a lot more comfortable with it. So I started getting better at it to the point where I was like kind of telling the producer kind of what to do and what we should do. And he liked all my ideas. So he definitely let me go with my own flow, which I really like and appreciate that because before we did the show, before I signed any paperwork, I called Slobby and yeah. I was like, Hey, man, I got this opportunity. What do you think? What should I do? And he's like, man, just, just be strict on like, don't, don't make them look like a fool because he was telling me like, they didn't like, he didn't like a, a few of the things they put in the show that made him look weird or whatever. So I just don't. Oh, so he, it. he would have preferred to have like a right of refusal for certain things on yeah, to, how to he was portrayed. Mm -hmm. Cause he said like one of the scenes that makes him look like a pervert or something. And I was like, oh, fucking lame. He like, just don't let them fucking make you look like a tool or a fool. And I was like, all right. You know, but and the producer was mad cool with me, like doing whatever. Um, I kind of cursed a little too much, so he was like, Just stop cursing because I'd be like, Oh, shit, you know, like, <laughs> shit like that, you know, yeah, as you do yeah. normal day to day, yeah. Uh, so, did you obviously you got paid? You don't have to tell us exactly what you got paid, but was it a structure like, Will you tell yeah. us what you got paid? Um, it was hourly, it wasn't, it wasn't much, it was okay. It was it was what a good job is now, like it's an all right job. It wasn't nothing. And then great. was there incentives for kickback later, or like how does that work? Um, they just they pay. I mean, they definitely pay for everything. So John and Leo, when they were coming into Knoxville, because it was all we filmed one episode in Atlanta. We filmed it in the store, but that never came on line. The and in the store was a mosquito head, which that episode never showed. Uh, but uh, they would. Leo was like, "Dude, we gotta take advantage." Leo and is not a driver; he won't even drive two hours. So he was taking flights, man. He was flying from here. He's taking thirty-minute flights. Yeah, he's so, like, "Yo, first class, fly me in. I need to stay at the Ritz Carlton. Like, full meal deal. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, they would, they would pay for everything. You know, if he wanted to stay here for a couple of days, they'd pay for everything: food, hotel, car, rental car, whatever. I think one of the the week that I went to Atlanta, I was we were there just filming for one day, but I was, that was my week to be in Atlanta. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in Atlanta, and I'm gonna stay those few days. Can you guys pay for that?" And they paid for like a full week at a nice ass hotel for me to stay in. So that was Sick. really cool. The pay was whatever. So did is there like you guys filmed a bunch? So there might be a third season that's already been filmed. Yes. Is there going to be a third season? Someone was asking. Nobody, nobody said anything. I didn't even know about season two until I go on Netflix and it was like February, blah, blah, swap shop season two. And I'm like, what the fuck? Nobody's telling me anything. So I hit up the producer and I was like, is there another season? Are we on it? And he was like, yeah, you guys are on one episode or whatever. And I'm just like, why the fuck didn't you guys tell us? You know? So was it good for the store? Like, did you guys see a bump oh. in, 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 in traffic yes, and definitely. shit? 
Man, you know what popped off the most? Like, we got a bunch of Instagram followers. Hit um, but really, man, our Facebook page. Facebook no page. Shit. DM. I mean, man, we got a bunch of messages of people just sending us shit, sending pictures of shit, telling us they saw us on the show from all over the world, you know. But in the store, man, we got a lot of foot traffic. Till this Sick. day, people. People are still coming in like, hey, we saw you on Swap Shop. And what's cool is that we got a different clientele for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because that show, yes, it is a bunch of rednecks and country people on there and whatnot, which, like <laughs> I said, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't. I never met anybody else. I only met – I did an episode with the guy from the comic book store where we buy – this episode isn't on there, but we go to some guy's house, and he's selling comic books and toys, and I buy it. I think I bought a Michael Knight car with a little figure in it for the store. I bought that, and then he comes in and buys comic books. But that was never, that wasn't seen. But um, damn it. Well, maybe in uh, maybe in future episodes. Yeah, and that's the point. Like you said before, it's like to to get it out there to a wider audience. Obviously, huge promo for the store, and that's like so. The payoff as far as hourly pay doesn't really matter as long as you're reaping the benefits later on, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like we got people like. Um, I mean, bro, I mean, I have people that had sent it to me from Mexico, like watching it in Spanish. Wow. And my wife, my wife is Russian, so like all her like Russian family was watching it, watching it in Russian, and like people were tagging me watching it in you know Japan and all this shit. And I was like, holy shit, this is really big, you know. So we got a lot of fan love online and whatnot, and orders online as well, because really on our website we just carry our merch and our store merch. So we definitely saw a gain in the merch sell a lot. That's, but people- yeah, that, 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 that's, that makes good sense. And that stuff like, you know, as anybody in the vintage business knows, we only can sell what we find and you're limited to what you can sell. But if you can make merch and sell your own store stuff, you know, it gives you like a whole nother revenue stream that is obviously easier to replenish. Soft, soft goods are money, man. It's, it's, it's good money. Um, very, very blessed for that, man. But, and yeah, we got a bunch of people, like I said, still till this day. And then going to the, uh, to the sneaker shows, you know, people were like, Hey, can I take a picture with you working at the restaurant? You know, they were able to put my dad's restaurant in there. We got foot traffic from that, you know, uh, Hey, we saw you guys on swap shop, blah, blah. Like, That's oh, so never, sick. Never been Have you guys, food. has the restaurant ever been on like, uh, like diners, drive-ins and dives or anything like that? No. Or other shows? No. One day. Yeah, one day. Um, one day. Yo, so you got to, uh, we got to give a shout out to the show. It's called Swap Shop, guys. Go on Netflix. I was kind of worried because I was like, when Slobby's show came out, Slobby's World, they didn't allow it to be, because you know, Canada and America have different Netflix. Like the shit that's available is different. But really? Yeah. So Slobby's World was not available in Canada, but Swap Shop is available in Canada. And apparently it's available in Mexico and all over the world. So go yeah. watch it. That's what took them a long time to do too, is just to uh, change the dialect and whatnot, the languages and whatnot. That was a big hassle. That I do remember them telling me that. Oh yeah. Okay, so we're gonna jump into some some Instagram questions. Okay. Okay. This comes from Big Papa JD. Uh, Daddy Danny, what's the best thing to get from your folks' restaurant? Who. Man, all right. I'm gonna 
I'm gonna gonna put you guys on a few dishes. So my favorite right now is the camarones and la diabla. It's deviled shrimp. So it's shrimp cooked with pico de gallo, cayenne pepper, and then you put a little bit of cheese dip on top, rice, beans, salad, tortillas. Amazing. Damn, I didn't eat breakfast. I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> uh, we also have our signature dish called the pollo Monterrey. So it comes out on a skillet. It's um, It comes out on a skillet like fajitas. It's grilled chicken, chorizo, which is like a Mexican sausage with spinach, cheese sauce on top. So it comes out sizzling, rice and beans, tortillas. Amazing. And our carnitas are delicious, which is the pork. Uh, chile verde, which is pork. Uh, cooked with our homemade green sauce. Amazing. Oh, good, dude. Oh. Oh, I could go on for days, man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, well, we'll stick with those three. Those are good answers. So everybody, wedding in Knoxville. Is it, how far outside of Knoxville is it? Is it in town? Yeah, it's in, it's in town. Okay, cool. Um, okay, next question is coming from Christopher Perez 02. Who inspired you to create verses? inspired i mean sorry is that, is that like a relative of yours is that yeah that's my, that's my nephew actually who inspired me uh i would say like my dad you know starting his own business at a young age and hustling and grinding to do to see where he's at and where he started you know it was definitely my dad to I want, i've always wanted to start my own business so shout out to my dad shout out to pops grinding it grinding it and then came from always. nothing my dad yeah. got deported. My dad got deported back to Mexico. Came back like no shit. Didn't. Yeah, good for him, man. I'm sure he's proud of you guys. Oh, for sure, man. And you know what? My dad never really went to the store too much, uh, but he went to the grand opening of, of the new store, and he was just like, "Holy shit! I did not know this was." We yeah. were on this level, you know, and he, it was the, you know, it was real. Uh, proud dad moment for you know for him to see that it meant a lot to me like that you gotta come to the grand opening so that's so they, cool man how have they watched the show i'm assuming they watched the show yeah yeah we did uh we did a little premiere here at my house with my family i, I was like man i didn't watch it i was like if i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it with my family you know I, I, it took me like a week like it came out but i was like man i don't want to watch it i'm gonna look you know watching yourself on tv <laughs> is weird and then they put me on the fucking cover of it, which was super weird. They didn't tell me anything like that either. But I go to Netflix and I'm like, holy shit, this is my face. They, the it's cover. the minority status. They're like, we need you, right? We need you front and center. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did a good job, though, because, I, you know, I'm holding the pair, the, the 85. So it's like, you know, it, you can. That re- resonates it, with know. a lot of people, right? Exactly. exactly. And that's so, like, yeah. Um, okay. Uh so talking about the 85s, we got to ask, I watched it. That's like the best episode, I think, because it's like more closely connected to like what we do and like that real feel of excitement that when you find shit, right? As far as like mm-hmm. from a dealer's perspective, right? Because you guys go, you get the call, you go see this lady. It looks like it's like in her basement or something. She's got a, bo- a starter box of hats that's like all looks like somebody's collection of Raiders hats because it was all different Raiders hats right which Mm -hmm. is believable because you're like okay somebody could have ditched their collection then you guys go and you you dig through so you find 185 Jordan number one 
And then you're like, shit, where's the other one? We got to find the other one. I hope it's here, which I was thinking you weren't going to find it because that's happened to us before. Like there's yeah, oftentimes oh you find <laughs> one shoe. <laughs> that's happened to me plenty of times. And people don't know that, but it, you know what? I'm still, I'm still bought that shoe, even if it's just one. Oh yeah. One shoe is great display, except it doesn't have too much value, but you know, and then, and then you find the second shoe and you're like score. And then she was like, she's like, yo, give me 50 bucks. And you guys were like, no, we're going to give you 300. And you guys were saying that you would be happy paying up to 500. Um, which again, this is like before they skyrocketed in the last two years, but right. So, you know, a lot of questions here, like does, how legit was that dig? They obviously set it up because they have to know where you're going beforehand. But, um, did that girl really have no clue what those were or what's the story here about this, this situation? We did not know what they were, but I'm going to explain everything here. Okay. So, <clears throat> so like I said, we, we film all these episodes, right? I'm not, I don't feel too satisfied. With I don't think they're that cool. I don't feel like this is going to grab the audience audiences attention and whatnot. So I threw that idea at the, Producer, like, look, dude, if you really want to catch somebody's eye, you got to, you, you, you have to have a grill in this show. <clears throat> so that episode, I filmed, every, I filmed all those episodes. That is the only one that is staged. Okay. So those okay. are, <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. I, t I know some of y'all and a lot of people asked me if it was real. I told them it was real. I'm sorry. But it, I had to keep it going. But I mean, the truth comes out on the, the vintage truth. and stuff podcast. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's funny. I'd like you to straight up. That was staged. Okay. That so, but how did, girl, how did it, but she didn't know the shoes or did they, were they like, here's the shoes. You have to pretend to sell them to these people. So I told them that, so that is a real story. So it's really just a reenactment of what really happened. So it's, okay. it's a lie, but it's not a lie for the Jordan ones. Yeah. That really did happen to me. So for all you haters, this is it's partially real. Okay, it's a reenactment, like you know when you see like a courthouse scene. They're like, we couldn't film in the courthouse, but we're going to give you a reenactment. <laughs> that's like, that's what that, we're that's at. That's what this. it was. Minus the hats, the hats were just the throwing in there because they're grills, you know. But the shoe, that shit really happened, and this girl really sells. She really does sell clothes and whatnot. And she didn't know what they were. I, we didn't know anything. They were this. They just kind of. I gave them the material. It, it's it's just go in there, find what you can. You know. Yeah. So, so we didn't know that that was all going to be there. We just kind of did it, and then we're like, "Fuck, we found one shoe," and like, let's. There's got to be another one, obviously. And it was, you know, I told them a whole story. So, found one. We really looked for it. We fucking finally found it and everything else was real you know like that's really what happened in real life like the lady didn't know what she had she gave me a good a, a small like amount she like give me 50 bucks or something but i'm like you know what i feel like i'm doing you wrong i really paid 300 bucks for him that good was for you story. man good for you you know and i because i always felt like i saw that person like struggling you know and i felt bad like i was taking advantage of them and i wanted people to realize that you know it's it, doing good deeds like that is fucking cool you know like i bought in t-shirts off homeless people and i'm like here bro here's a here's a here's 50 bucks you know just to do a good deed 
you know to yeah, see and that shit that's that's karma man that shit comes back to you in spades you know put good energy into the world and it, it comes back so i exactly. think you're so, right on that i so when we did that um i felt good about it you know like i said it was it wasn't but everybody you know who watched the show like for example i went to thrift con thrift con just passed uh sunday yeah and uh, we were, I was there and people were like, oh, you know, let me take a picture with you. People were taking pictures with me and whatnot, showing love. And they always bring up that scenario. Like, hey, man, I really like what you did with that lady and you paid up for it instead of getting her, you know? And I was like, dude, I appreciate that, you know, just being real because that's how I work, man. I'm, I, I try to do good deeds to, I believe in karma. So if, you, yeah. if you do good things, good things will happen to you, you know? Guaranteed. Yeah, so uh, that's good to know. Good to know. And uh, one thing I want to say about that. So, yeah, you said it was it was staged that episode. Every other episode was real, and obviously they had to throw some grails in to make it look more enticing and more like you know um, more interesting to the audience. And this is like something that kind of is fucked up. In not saying what you did was fucked up, but so many people in this industry or all these new generations coming into the game, they're like. Yo, like, you, I'm going to go to the thrift store. I'm going to get a mosquito head. I'm going to find a wrap tea at the thrift, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, maybe once in your life, but it's not going to yeah. happen all the time. And the reality of picking like you pick is like you went to 10 or eight, eight episodes and didn't really come up on like anything crazy, crazy, which is actually the reality of it. So it's like to make it entertaining, you have to throw something in. And that's what so many of the Instagram community is doing is like, only showing the good, the good, the good. And that's just what social media does anyway. It's like influencers show all the good, not the bad. Yeah. It's what same with the Instagram vintage community. We show all the sickest shit to make it enticing and make people follow. Yet it's not reality, which gives the new people a skewed vision of the business. Um, which is just interesting to look at that. It's like, and that's what happened on the show to make it, to make it fly. And, yeah. you know, so it's important. I guess my message here is like, this shit's hard. We don't find shit all the time. Yeah. But you go months and months without finding grails or whatever, or, you know, you, the, you know, obviously it's like a numbers game. The more work you put in, the better chances of coming up are going to be. But, you know, it can be fucking depressing going out and spending days, hours, driving gas money and finding fuck all. Yeah, man, I did, I did, I did that for years, man. I did that for years, you know. Okay. There's, a, and my my wife just recently quit her job this year, the top of the year, and you know she's she sells kids vintage. That's what she does. But she just bought a pack off. Yeah, you. shout out, it's Mini Me Vintage, right? Mini Me Vintage, get your kids fresh. I mean, we she's been doing it now for like three years, and just one day, man, she was just fed up with her job. She worked at a courthouse and whatnot for years. It was a good job and all, but she wasn't happy. And I told her, I was like, well, you know what? Like, why not just do this kid stuff and, you know, make it your main income. And, you know, the first like month or whatnot, she was going thrifting and whatnot. She wasn't really finding anything. I was like, babe, you got to understand that. Like, not always you're going to find shit. Like there's, there's days where, you know, I would go out for four or five hours and, spend a bunch of gas and I'd come home with three or four things, you know, that weren't worth that much. And I was going to probably sit on for a while and people need to understand. People don't understand that, you know? 
what you might have you might be out there for all day and you find one piece that's going to make your whole week you know it could it's, it's a hit yeah. or miss and people don't understand yeah. that and man. so where do it's people find where do you where does she sell mini mini me uh so she does she's been on etsy okay for three three years and now she is for the new store that we just opened we did we have a kids section in there and she curates all that nice She's yeah check her out we, we just sold her a box of like lots of polo and other kids stuff um but definitely go check that out and it's congratulations to her by the way for quitting her fucking job yeah, yeah man it, it's doing great man and the and to see all these pieces i mean bro i went to thriftcon and like she while she was set up she set up i didn't set up i was just there buying but while she was set up i was like hey you know what i'll go out and i, I mainly just source everything for her if i can because all my friends you know know that we do kids vintage she just does everything that's her where of income but while she was there i picked up 50 pieces of great pieces while i was there just going yeah. around and then everybody knows that we do it and it's Dude, it's been a success at the store too, because what other store really like boutique sells or men's streetwear vintage store sells kids stuff? We sell kids sneakers, we sell kids streetwear, and we sell kids vintage. Yeah, solid. Just and I think stuff. I think it's a good market. I think it's going to get better as the the business matures, right? Because the people who are in it now, as they get older and have kids, they're going to want to be dressing their kids in vintage for sure you know so i think the kids game is going to get stronger and right now you can still score kids pretty inexpensively so yeah. might be time to start hoarding some kids gear everybody yeah i mean i do man even the stuff that my kids can't fit anymore because it all started like i had my first i mean i was already collecting vintage before i had my son and i started finding kid stuff and I was like, man, I should hold on to this stuff, you know, for my son. And my son started wearing all that shit. And then I, I was like, well, I can still sell this shit after my son's out of it or keep it for my next child, which I did. And then we made a business out of it. And it's been amazing to see some of these pieces in such a small piece. You know, like I have, here, here I'll show you. This is my favorite kid's piece. All right. Oh, anybody yeah. knows? Oh, hell yeah. That, that thing is fucking tiny, too, man. Yeah, I call that the shoot 'em up Mickey. I don't know if there's like a name for that one, but that's one of the classics, dude. Yeah, the cowboy Mickey, but that's a grill, man. But oh, yeah, man, I have, uh, I bought, I bought my kid before when my, my wife was pregnant. I think I, I was at an auction, I got carried away and bought him like a biggie second edition jacket and, and biggie jeans which he never wore because you're like these things are like so uncomfortable you know um but i still have them to this day i think i'm gonna put them in a frame and get them on the wall somewhere and you know what i posted a picture of that and so many people were like dm me like how much how much i'm like it's not for sale dude like that piece is super cool i bought it out um i went out to la for rose bowl and i went to that denim um uh, the denim show they did up there. Oh yeah, Staples, the denim show. I, I, I've guy. never been to that. It's so amazing. that's like that's like denim, like new denim and vintage dealers. No, just vintage denim. And oh, like the inspiration that one. Yeah, that's that's what it yeah. was. Inspiration. Oh yeah, inspiration. Yeah, hell yeah. 
That show's rad. Yeah, yeah, we did that show for years and years. I I think it's done now though. I think it's never coming back. Really? So how is Thriftcon by the way? Like, you know, there's kind of a surgence right now of sh- of physical retail shows. Like they're fucking popping up. We're having one by the time this episode comes out, it'll be over because it's this weekend. <laughs> yeah. But, so, man, I don't know. Uh, dude, ThriftCon was amazing. Uh, it's really, it's a really good show in Atlanta. They say that ThriftCon Atlanta is the best one. Like broke records, like them. for attendance, right? They sold like 10,000 tickets or something. I think last year was like 15,000 people. I want to say. Shit. Yeah. But, so uh, you got, man. I got to give shout out to Mars and, his partner, I forget his name, and all those guys, Dave, because Horace, Dave, all of them. Yeah, they run a fucking legit show. They put so much money into marketing. The show is it looks good. Like the installations are good. They get the people to come out. Like it's legit as fuck. It is, man. And you know what? I I that's what I go to a lot of those shows, man, to connect with the people, show my face, show the brand. Uh, and I travel for it, you know. I go to, uh, I, I don't go too much to the, I don't travel for the thrift cons, but uh, shout out to, we have a local one in Atlanta, um, Vintage Connect Con. It's a good one. I go to, I go to Dallas a lot. I love Texas because there's, it's really good sourcing place. So I go to DFW and then I've been to all the virtuals minus this one. But oh, no on, shit. You've been to, I didn't know that. I didn't know you went to all the virtuals. That's crazy. Yeah, and just try to show face and get rid of the higher pieces and whatnot there. Like I said, my role in the in the verses is, you know, vintage. Uh, I do all the branding. I do all the merch and whatnot, and some of the social media and whatnot. So um, it was weird, man, because I don't know why they did this, but those three shows were all this past weekend. DFW, too? Yeah. DFW, is that the one that those guys throw in, like, their parking lot? No, they do it at a, at a legit venue. What does DFW stand for? Dated, faded, and worn. Okay. And that's a good uh, one, too? It's Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's in Dallas, but this past weekend they did Houston. So I was like, man, I was like, <clears throat> first, I don't know, I think DFW posted it first, and I was like, Oh hell yeah, I'm going. I'm going there. And then Bertrand posted it, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'm going to Chicago." And then Thriftcon posted it, and I was like, "I don't know." I'll, who just, did I'll just stay home. I could just stay home and go to Thriftcon. Why not? <laughs> right. I was like, "Fuck it," you know. But I didn't. I didn't know how it was going to be this year because last year it fell on like when everybody was getting free money, you know. So a lot of people had a lot of money at the time that Thriftcon came last year. So I was like, man, this show might not be a, a success because last year people just had extra money. Yeah. And, I, and my wife did outstanding last year. And I told her, I was like, don't expect the same crowd just because this might, you know, it was, it was a different time. People had more money. Now, you know, people were complaining about gas prices and all that. So you might not have that. But, you know, don't expect what you did last year. Like that. That shit was packed again, man. Full on show, a ton of vintage. It was more than enough for anybody and everybody. So it was great, man. Great show. I just wish that's that these, awesome. They they should. I think that uh, they should have worked together with all these shows because I think people were stuck with seeing like, I want to go to ThriftCon, I want to go to DFW, I want to go to, you know, 
thrift card. Virtual. Yeah. Virtual. So yeah, that makes sense. Like communicate, just text guys. All you gotta do is text each other. Come on. <laughs> I'm not, cause I'm not going to say who, but I heard somebody got salty about them doing thrift con and not going to virtual. I'm not going to say who, but I heard some beef and I was just like, really man? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Like this, this hey, business make your, is make your money, man. Don't worry about somebody else. Yeah. And this business is too small to like, worry about that shit there's events popping up like it seems like i said everywhere now um yeah which is is fucking rat it's great it's great it allows these other sellers to have like a place to make money it allows places where the customers can go and like buy a ton of great stuff in one foul swoop and like get introduced to all the new people yeah i'm super down with the whole like live flea event thing it's it's great too man as long as this stuff keeps growing man i mean it, at the end of the day, it's just going to make it better for all of us, especially for the store owners, man. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you have more people bringing you shit. Yeah, totally. And oh, that's a great man. model. And that's a model that didn't exist like 10 years ago. You yeah, know, absolutely. You, you know, you guys say like your sneakers and your streetwear comes in the door. You're the vintage sourcer. You're out there sourcing. You probably get some vintage coming in the door too, right? No, absolutely. A lot of, a lot of vintage sellers come in, but... I just kind of build a good relationship with, you know, I have, if I go to Texas, I have my sources. If I go to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, I have my sources. If I go to North Carolina, I have my sources. That like I keep a small circle of people that I mess with, but I'm always willing to buy off anybody and everybody. Even I, I do, customers eating dinner. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, man, I've been out with my whole family and you're like, hey, babe, hold on, give me one second and I'll buy a shirt. You know, at the flea market, I remember I bought a good, I was with my whole family at the flea market. This guy comes in, and he's, wear, he's wearing a Bob Marley wrap tee and a, and a polo jacket. I was like, I bought his shirt right off his back, and he's just walking around shirtless with a jacket on. I was like, fuck yeah. So legit. My, oh, my, man, that's fucking kids, awesome. My kids have seen me do it. It's awesome. I'm like, Dad, did you just buy a shirt off him? Like, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your kids, I just saw that you took your 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 oldest ten year old. By the way, my oldest is ten too. Um, to Oliver Tree, and he got the bowl cut. I'm gonna put a picture on this on this screen for all you to see right here because it is fucking legit. This is a big fan moment. Um, so He's yo, actually been getting bowl cut for like over a year now, and he because of Oliver he's... Tree, yeah. It's, it's been my son it's been my, my son's favorite artist now for like a year maybe like two years now or something you know but uh he started doing it like that and his mom hates the bowl cut hates it so she, she was like hey if you get rid of the bowl cut i'll buy you a new video game or something and he was like oh okay cool i'll do it and uh i was like dude you, you did it. that's a ballsy move right there like you know you gotta have a lot of confidence to be able to rock the bowl cut because nobody's wearing a bowl cut you know no. And when I got it, I was like, man, I hope kids don't make fun of him or anything. And nobody did until yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, man. He came home and he was very upset. Very upset, man. That was it was a bummer. But that's the, you the know, trials and tribulations, man. That's the shit you deal with as a kid. That's the shit you deal with as a parent, having your kids come home and be bummed out. Um, yeah, and like I said, and bro, we went to the show, man, and people were like taking pictures with him. People were like, dude, cool haircut, cool outfit, you know. Hella people taking pictures with him, you know. So it was really cool. It was the first show ever, man. So That's I was sick. very stoked to take him. 
And that that stuff is outweighs the the idiot at school making fun of them by a long shot. So good for you, man. Um, so I think that's a good place to end it, dude. You got anyone you want to shout out? You got any last words for the people on the show? Um, shout out to versus ATL. Check us out. Instagram at VSATL. Yeah, we'll um, put that right on the screen. Everybody make sure you follow. If you guys are in Atlanta, please come by and check us out, man. The store is like this new store that we opened up is curated very, very well, man. I'm very happy with it because what we did with it is the front of the store is all sneakers and streetwear. And then you behind the register area, we have a room that is strictly vintage, which we give you a whole like 90s kids bedroom vibe. We have a bed in there. We have a TV with a VCR player, Nintendo 64 you can play in there, and a kid's vintage section, a denim section, and, like, just T-shirts, outerwear, all that. It's just curated very well, Uh, very well put together, clean. I'm very happy with it, man. I really am. This is literally my dream store. So if you guys are in town, come check us out. Uh, Shout out to Monterey and Knoxville. If you're ever in Knoxville, Tennessee, go to Monterey Mexican Restaurant. Best Mexican food in the city. And yeah. shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody who's out here grinding and doing this, man, and making a living and trying to make a living out of it, you know? Because, I mean, it can take you anywhere, man. You know, like I've, I've been very successful with what we've done and what I've built. So I'm very happy with it. So everybody, you know. Keep hustling. Keep grinding, man. Don't be salty about the game. Yeah, that ain't going to get you nowhere. Being salty won't get you nowhere. Nowhere, man. Danny, thank you very much. I'm super happy for all your success. Go watch the show, guys. Go check out Versus ATL. Go to Monterey because I'm going to. And I'm going to. And if you go, make sure you wear a shirt that he can try to off the back you. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. Much appreciated, as always. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation with Danny. He's a great guy um, with a great life, and he's doing cool things, and I'm so happy for all his success. If you guys appreciate this episode, please go share it. You can share it on Instagram. You can share it on Facebook. You can email it to a friend if you really, really love it. Um, Also, if you want bonus content, I got some extra clips with Danny. I'm putting them on the Patreon. Patreon down below. This is season five, episode two, and I'm back on the Patreon. I'm back on weekly episodes. If you really want to support, you can get on the Patreon for as little as two bucks. And there's going to be bonus content on there, okay? Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And one last way you can support. I don't condone or really support Amazon, but I know you guys are on there shopping anyway. So if you're on there shopping anyway, you can use my link down below and I get a little piece of the action. So without doing anything, without actually giving me money, you're supporting the show by using my Amazon link down below. That's it. Like this video. Subscribe, leave me a review, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Episodes dropping Mondays weekly.